You're listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. A few weeks ago when Ryan asked me if I would preach while he's in New Orleans um, having fun, um, I said, um, sure, and I began to pray about that and, and ask the Lord, you know, Ryan's been talking about uh, the disciplines uh, in his post-Easter messages. He's been talking about the disciplines that we develop that help keep us in uh, a relationship with the Lord on a daily kind of basis. And, and I was thinking, you know, that's the hardest thing for us to do, to deal with any kind of discipline that requires a daily kind of uh, commitment. And I saw, you know, there's a passage in Scripture that we've talked about um, uh, before. I think I've preached this uh, two or three times in the last 30 years. And uh, that, that really helps us to be focused on that daily sense of living in God's presence. And we find it in the book of Joshua, chapter 24. And uh, uh, I, I have several passages of scripture from there, verses 1 through 20, or 14 through 27. And uh, we're going to look at uh, uh, just a brief bit of each one of those passages uh, as we go tonight. And then we're going to say, how do we connect where we are today in our lives as Christians, followers of Jesus, with what Joshua was talking about uh, to uh, the people of God 3,000 years ago. What's the connection? I want us to find that because it'll help us with that daily sense of living in God's presence. And so if you'll either turn in your Bible or look up at the screen, uh, we'll begin this text. Now before I read, let me give you a little background. Joshua is the leader of Israel post-Moses. After Moses died, Joshua became the leader. And for 40 years, he led them uh, as they took possession of the promised land. As they went in and God led them into defeating all of their enemies who were in the land. And now some 40 years later, the land is their possession. Their enemies have been defeated. They're living in their lands. The inheritance has been given to the 12 tribes. You have this portion of the land and this tribe has this portion. And, and now the land is theirs. They have led, been led by Joshua as Joshua has followed the Lord the same way that Moses followed the Lord. And in fact, Joshua is the only other person in the Bible who's called a friend of God, just like Moses. But now Joshua has come to the end of his life. And that sense of his being the leader is passing. Now it's going to be dependent upon each person who is part of Israel to follow the Lord. An individual kind of response. No, sen no leader like Moses or Joshua is, is going to be there. They have to take the responsibility themselves. And I'm sure Joshua's concern is, how are they going to do this? What's going to encourage them? What's going to motivate them to live in that kind of relationship with the Lord on a daily basis so that they'll be able to stay in the land? God will be able to bless them and this land. They'll be prosperous and they will be able to be a light to all of the nations around them and draw the people into a relationship with God too. He says, how's that going to happen? And so he gives them this challenge that we see here in the 24th uh, uh, chapter. Uh, look, first of all, at verses 14 and 15. Now, therefore, 
revere or worship the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Notice the beginning. No, no, no. Back to the, yeah, there we go. We're going to take a while on this. Now, therefore, you know, therefore is a conclusion, isn't it? You know, you, you've now expressed the argument. Here's, here's all of the issues, and there's a clear outcome. And so now you say, now, therefore, here's what you need to do about that. Well, what, what is the expression? Well, what Joshua is saying to them is when you think about what God has done for us, when you think about his faithfulness to us from beyond this place, back beyond the river till this day, he says, when you consider this, there's a logical kind of conclusion that's going to be drawn. Now, you, you remember the Apostle Paul did the same thing to the Christians in Rome, where he talked about in view of all of God's mercies, he spent 11 chapters talking about all the things that God had done for, uh, for people in sending his son and providing a means of salvation and providing a, an opportunity for life and giving us the Holy Spirit that leads and directs us every day. When you think about everything that God has done, there's only one logical response that you can make. There's only one reasonable response that you can make, and that is to surrender your life, as we just sang tonight. You know, I surrender all, is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's what, uh, uh, that's what Paul said. Therefore, the same therefore that we find here as Moses begins. Therefore, in view of all that God has done, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Now look at the next verse, verse 15. Now, if you are unwilling to serve, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, if we had time and had gone back and uh, read through the first uh, 13 verses of this passage, Moses takes them, and in fact, the previous chapter, uh, Joshua takes them all the way back to Egypt and recounts the story of how God brought them out of slavery through Pharaoh, uh, through the, 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 uh, uh, the night of, of, of terrors, and how they escaped and walked out of Egypt with all of the goods of Egypt through the Red Sea, 40 years in the wilderness, and into the Promised Land, and how God has taken care of them these last 40 years in the Promised Land, thinking with them about the gods of the Amorites in whose lands they're living. How effective were those gods against their God? Well, we're living in their land, right? So evidently their gods aren't very, aren't very effective. So he says, reasonably, therefore, make a conscious choice. This is a logical choice that you will move in this direction is what he is saying. He's saying, you, you need to understand that you, you have to decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. If you are unwilling to follow the Lord, then you have to make a decision about what it is you're going to follow. But he says, as for me, and my house. Notice it's a personal com commitment now. This is not a national expression. This is not the people of God. This is you. 
This is each one of you as Jewish, as Israelites. You have to decide, you have to choose. Joshua says, as for me, and that which I am responsible for, we choose the Lord. And that's what he says. Well, now look at the response that the people make. The next slide. Then the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along the way, all that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. They make the right response, right? They, they've made the logical choice. In, in view of the alternatives, which weren't very effective to the people that uh, were, were pursuing them, we're going to serve the Lord. But now, look what Joshua says in the next section. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve the foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Wow. Joshua says to them, you don't think that you can just give a snap answer. This is not about knowing what the right answer to do is and to give it. He says it's, it's not about that uh, at, at all. He, he says you, you, you need to have a grip that understand that God is a holy God. In other words, this is a choice that means something. There's some weight in this. This is not, well, everybody else is doing it, so I guess I'll do it too. Well, obviously this is the right thing to say, so I'm going to say it. No, no, no. God is a holy God. Now what that means is that God has some specific ideas about what following him, what serving him means. And it means that you're, you're going to have to surrender to those ideas. You're going to have to follow him. You remember the Ten Commandments? You remember the law? You remember all those things that God has said through Moses to us? Well, that's what you're, that's what you're choosing. You're choosing that that's the direction of my life. That's what's going to lead me. That's what's going to guide me. That's what's going to direct me. He says you, you can't just willy-nilly decide that he says, you have to think about it because it has huge implications on the rest of your life. God is a holy God and God is a jealous God. Now, this is not the negative form of jealousy that we have in our world today that, uh, you know, a girl likes a boy, the boy starts liking someone else, the girl gets jealous, you know, does all of those, takes the air out of his tires, you know, what have you. It's, it's not that kind of thing. This is a jealous God that means, jealousy that means he really cares about what's best for you. He, he really desires your best. And if you're gonna do something that's stupid, that's not for your best, th that's gonna concern God and he's gonna take some action to try to move you into the place where you need to be. So understand there's consequences if you make this decision. Are you sure you wanna make this choice? That's really what Joshua is, is saying to them. Well, the next slide. And the people said to Joshua, oh, no, 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 we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you're witnesses against yourselves, and you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. Next slide. And he said, well, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. 
And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and him we will obey. Joshua is saying to the people, okay, that's great. But now if that's what you're going to do, then you know all those little idols you've got in your tent that belong to the Amorites and to the other gods that you think are trinkets and all of that. And from now, every now and then you have a celebration of the holiday that they represent. Get rid of them. Get rid of all that stuff that doesn't have anything to do with our God. Get rid of it. All of it. In other words, what he's saying is your words are powerful, but your actions speak louder. Your actions need to be consistent with your words. It's easy to say, we'll serve the Lord. Here's what's hard. Living the way that your actions intend. That's what's hard. And he says, now, if you're going to say those words, then you're going to have to pursue the actions that are consistent with your words. And the people say, we, we, we will. We will do that. He says, you're witnesses against yourself. We'll, we're, we're witnesses. Look at the next line here. So Mount Joshua made a covenant with the people. He, he made a, a statement. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a piece of paper. Uh, he made an agreement. That's the word. He made an agreement with the people that day and made statutes and ordinances for them at Shechem. Shechem is their holy place. It's like Jerusalem became uh, later on. Shechem, uh, as they entered into the promised land, was their holy place where they worshiped at this time. And, and so what he did is he made statutes. He made a, an agreement and said, here's what you're agreeing to. And he, laid, he listed all the things down that they were agreeing to. Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak in the sanctuary of the Lord. Next verse. Joshua said to all the people, see, this stone shall be a witness of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you if you deal falsely with your God. Shechem is the place where the Jewish people would come to worship several times a year. They would come there, and every time they came, they'd see this huge rock that had, been, that had been set up. And it would remind them of the words that they said. In fact, what he's saying to them is, every time you worship, you're reminded of the commitments that you have made to the Lord. And if you're reminded of those commitments, and you realize that what you have said is not happening in your life, then as you're here at worship, it gives you another opportunity to re-up. It gives you an opportunity to confess to the Lord what you're not doing and to receive from him forgiveness and then the filling of his presence to now live in the way that you agreed you're going to live. So part of their worship was this reconnecting and this renewing of this covenant every time that they came together in worship. I mean, what a story. Now that story has some really powerful uh, implications for us as believers in Jesus, who have said, we will follow Jesus. We're Christ followers, we're followers of Jesus. So I want you to think with me in how we connect this, these words to this story. I think there's some more. Uh, here's the first one. It seems that Joshua is saying to his people, and certainly saying to us, that following Jesus every day is a logical, intentional, and personal choice. Now let's break this down. Following Jesus is logical. It's called good news. Any other kind of news, by contrast, would be bad news, not so good news. So now, who wants to follow bad news rather than good news? 
Who wants to follow a way that leads to uh, living a life outside of the presence of God? Where Jesus talks about, you know, it's darkness and all, all, all of that. Or to live in God's presence where there's peace and joy and love and kindness and good. Who, who would choose the, this rather than... It's logical to follow Jesus, isn't it? It makes sense. When people understand the gospel, it makes sense to, to choose Jesus as the one to follow. That makes sense. It's logical. It's intentional. Following Jesus is something that we intend to do. Every single day, our intention is to follow Jesus. Correct? I mean, that's what believers do. It's this is not just something that happens. By going to church every week, uh, you start to live in a way that pleases God. Really? Uh, for me, that's never been enough. Um, reading the Bible every day is not something that transforms my life. Just, just, but it's an intentional act that says the presence of God in my life as I follow Jesus every day into what he's leading me into. If I consistently do that intentionally, my life changes. There's a, there's a sense of quality that is produced beyond something that I can do. It's not about behavior. It's not about habit. It's not about routine. It's about living in the presence of God. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, uh, whether it's Tuesday or Friday or Sunday or Monday or Saturday night or whenever it happens to be, it's intentional. And here's the last thing that Joshua said. It's personal. I can't decide for you. Man, if I could make the choice for people, we'd have thousands of people here. I can't. I can't make the choice for people. You know, I, 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 can't, I couldn't make the choice for my kids. You know, they had to personally decide that they wanted to live in, the, in a relationship with God. I, I, can't, I can't decide for, for anybody else. Everybody has to decide for herself. It's personal. It's personal. You and I come to some place in our lives where we encounter the living God. And the gospel becomes real to us and now I have to decide what to do with it. I'm going to believe it, or I'm going to reject it. There's that moment. You have to decide it's personal. I, I think that's clearly taught in this passage. Here's the next idea. Following Jesus is an exclusive choice that requires integrity of morals and actions. Ryan couldn't read my writing, evidently. That requires an integrity of words and actions, <laughs> not morals. All right, close. Words and actions. It's an exclusive choice. You know, one of the, the great untruths of cultures is that they want to convince people that we have lots of choices. Even today, especially. You know, you can choose. You know, you can, you can live your life according to your truth. There, there, there is no truth. You, you choose what your gender is. You choose what your direction is. You choose what... It's, it's up to you. There's so many choices. Now, what Joshua is trying to say is that there's really one choice. You're either willing to follow Jesus or you're unwilling to follow Jesus. 
That's it. There's not 15 other choices. You're following Jesus or you're not following Jesus. It's an exclusive choice. And you can't follow Jesus and... See, here's another lie that Satan says. It's both and. You can have it all. And you can have it your way and you can have it all. That's what our culture says. Joshua tells us, no, it's exclusive. You, you are either moving in this direction or you're not. That's the reality. There's no exceptions. It's exclusive. And, and it requires, that decision is going to require that my life is consistent with my words. That's what it means to follow Jesus, that I, I, I'm, a, I'm a disciple. And, and I'm moving in this direction. And so there's an integrity about it. One of the things that our culture lacks tremendously today is integrity. Nobody does what they said they're going to do. I mean, we have so many people that make agreements to this and that and the other. You know, all these uh, peace treaties, when's the last one that one was kept? Can you think of one? The Russians or us or someone else breaks them all the time. Because we don't do what we say we're going to do. Stuff happens. Circumstances change. Well, then I don't agree to something if you're going to have to break it later on. Marriages, uh, contracts between people in business, etc. Integrity. Now, in the church, it should be different. There should be a greater amount of integrity. That's what, that's what Joshua is saying. That there should be integrity. Oh, no, you can't make that decision because look at what you're doing. You've got idols in your tent. I'm glad he doesn't show up in our houses, huh? Who knows what he could find? Now, here, here's, here's the, the next one. Following Jesus includes confession and accountability. Confession and accountability. Witnesses. You know, when people come to faith in Christ, they stand up and say, I believe in Jesus as my Savior and Lord. We sometimes ask them to do that uh, publicly in a meeting. When people are baptized, that's what they say. Believer's baptism, they, they say, and, and we've done that outside and, and other places. We used to have a tub here where people would get in and stand up and say, I believe in Jesus as my Savior and Lord, and from this day on, I'm going to follow him. They make that statement. And here's all these people who are out here. Now, the idea of accountability is that you're not here to hold them accountable. You're here to encourage them. The accountability is to encourage these people in the confession that they have made. You're part of the family. They've made it to you. You want them to be real in terms of the things that they've said, and so you're here to come alongside of them. You pray for them. You encourage them. You include them into your, your ministries, into service, into your life. That's what, that, that's what that means. And accountability, witness and accountability. And then let me just conclude this message this way. What Joshua is saying is that this choice, this decision, this moment is not just today, it's every day. It's not like you make this, uh, this choice at one time in your life and then you never think about it again. 
It's like this is the day that the Lord has made. We'll rejoice and be glad in it. That, that, that applies. That means every single day is the day that the Lord has made. Here's what this means. This day, choose, means every day, choose. That's the idea in this kind of directional statement. This day, today, and every day. See, here's, here's the, the, the line under that. The first one is, yesterday doesn't matter. Too many times we get all tied up in what we didn't do yesterday. We get so frustrated. We get guilty. You know, there's nothing that immobilizes Christians more than guilt. You know what Satan loves to do? Reminds you of all the things you didn't do so that you feel guilty. Guilt immobilizes us. Yesterday doesn't matter. When you're coming into God's presence, as you're making this choice on, on a daily basis, you're recognizing that in his presence, we find grace, we find mercy, we find forgiveness, we find encouragement. So every time we come together to worship, every day, as we focus our attention on some one of the, these disciplines that we're pursuing that brings us into the presence of God, we're reminded again of how faithful God has been to us. Man, there's never a time that we come into his presence that we're not reminded of how faithful he is towards us, how good he is towards us, how we have received so much from him. And then we recognize who we are. It's just like Isaiah said, when he saw the Lord, he said, I am a man of unclean lips. He recognized his own brokenness. He shouldn't be in God's presence, and neither should we. And so we come, as we're in his presence, we come to the place of confession. And then we realize what God gives us as we confess our sins. He's faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins. And so we're forgiven. And then in his presence, we discover his, the Spirit. And the Spirit empowers us now to live in a way that we can choose again today to follow Jesus. Not out of a sense of failure or out of a sense of empowerment, of encouragement, that we can, not, we can live this way today. And that keeps us focused upon Jesus day by day by day as we receive again from him every day. See, every day as we find ourselves in the presence of the Lord through some aspect of, of spiritual discipline, it's just like being in church. It's just like being together where we're reminded of God's grace and mercy towards us. We're reminded about how we don't deserve to receive it. We come to the place of forgiveness and filling by his spirit, empowerment, and we start again. We say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I'm going to follow you. I choose again. I choose this day, and I'm going to choose every day to follow Jesus. See, tonight is an opportunity for us to choose again, isn't it? See, we're going to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper in just a, a, a few minutes. And, and as we do that, we're reminded again of God's faithfulness towards us. Who would do something like this for you? My body broken for you. Have you ever had anybody else say that to you? I'm dying so that you can live. That's what Jesus said. So that your sins, the things that separate you from God, could, can be dealt with once and for all. And now you can live in the presence of God. As you take this bread, understand that's what it's about. My body broken for you. 
And this cup represents the price that was paid for that is my blood. It's not that just Jesus was beaten up. It's that Jesus, his blood was spilt. He died probably more of a sanguination than anything else. It cost him his very life. This blood represents the new covenant that you have with God. Not the covenant where we need a mediator like Moses or Joshua, but a covenant now where God writes his law on our hearts. A law where his spirit lives within us, teaching us everything we need to know day by day by day as we intentionally follow him. He says, and all of that is yours by means of my blood. Man, when we hear things like that, we realize we are not deserving of that. And we recognize that it's not because of whether we deserved it or didn't. God did it because he loved us, period. Not about you, it was about him. And so we say, Lord, forgive me. And these elements become elements of power. The bread and the cup become the opportunity for us to begin again to say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I choose Jesus this day and every day. And then we have an opportunity in our discipline tomorrow morning when we wake up to do the same thing again and again and again. That's what keeps us following Jesus in a consistent basis, day by day by day. And that's what Joshua wanted us to hear tonight. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.